I don't care if people think we're crazy, like we're still going to do something. We can't recycle our way out of this mess. Welcome to Coastal Connections, Stories from the Atlantic, where we share inspiring stories of adaptation and resilience from coastal communities. Thanks for sticking with us as we took some time in August to enjoy the sunshine and answer your questions on the ins and outs of the plastic-free movement that's going on right now. Today, episode five, is the first of our three-part mini-series on plastic pollution. We have guests from across Atlantic Canada who will share their fantastic initiatives with us on the topics of land-based single-use plastics, marine debris and ghost gear, and ultimately, microplastics. I'm your co-host, Jackie Bauman, and I'm joined by Dr. Sandra Eager. In this episode, we'll focus on one major source of plastic pollution that's filling our ocean, single-use plastics. Just to make sure we're on the same page, single-use plastics are those designed to be used once and thrown away. They're typically hard to recycle and most often include takeout containers, straws, bags, cups, or cutlery used in food service. Other single-use plastics include food wrappers, packaging, plastic water bottles, or other single-use beverages. It's crazy to think that half the plastic we produce in the world is meant to be tossed away just minutes after it's used. That's right. As they come from the land, they enter the ocean as rapidly as one truckload a minute. Sometimes the impacts of plastic are obvious, as we see on our beaches, but other times the impacts are more hidden. It's everywhere. It's even getting into our food. So where's all this plastic really going? Well, our ocean has five major rotating currents, known as gyres. The circular motion of these gyres causes plastic litter to swirl around and build up in these floating patches of garbage. With our ocean turning into a plastic soup, it's estimated that nearly every seabird on Earth is ingesting plastic. And over half the world's marine mammals are painfully mistaking it for food. With plastic becoming a major food source in the ocean, whales, porpoises, and turtles are missing in nutrition, leaving thousands of marine mammals dead each year. Fortunately, there are incredible people out there committed to helping these animals and preventing plastic pollution. And so can you. Now, we'll hear the story of how a movement to tackle plastic pollution started in the town of Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. So this is to confirm what you were thinking about how crazy I am. I do just spend a lot of time alone swimming, marathon swimming, a lot of time. This is where I get all, all my best ideas of things to do while I'm swimming. I was like, I've got to do something. That's what I felt like. I've got to do something to address this serious issue of plastic in the water everywhere. That's Jennifer Constable, the founder of Plastic Free Lunenburg, a group formed under the same goal, to educate people on the impacts of plastic pollution and to help their community refuse single-use plastics. From one crazy idea to another, she brought together a full committee to tackle plastic pollution in her local area, which then raised attention across the nation. It's no surprise that all her time spent in the ocean has really fueled her passion to protect it. Just imagine how close she would get to some of the impacts facing marine life. Now let's continue Jennifer's domino story and the evolution of Plastic Free Lunenburg. Teresa Quilty and myself, um, we started boomerang bags in Lunenburg. It's, it's like a way to use up old fabrics and make bags and it's a bag library for the community so they're free to use and people are supposed to bring them back and keep them in circulation, like a library. 
they were really popular. Were they're really um, a feel-good project? Everyone loves them. There's nothing you could say that was like they don't they don't rock any boats. They're just really like a good positive thing. Jennifer mentioned boomerang bags. This global project started in Australia as a community-based approach to offer reusable bags and prevent plastic bags polluting our ocean. It's a great example of how we can help a species like turtles, who often mistaken something like a plastic bag for a jellyfish. Now plastic bags are banned in many places. Like any new organization, Plastic Free Lunenburg had to come up with a new approach to an issue. What's the best way to target the issue of single-use plastics? We really enjoyed doing it, we, and we got a great team together helping um, to sew and do all that, and it was great. But we felt like we wanted to take another step because it's great, but it doesn't really change anything. And the people who are going to use those are probably already people who are, you know, into environmental issues and they want to do the right thing. So then we thought, well, how could we get going here? How, what could we do more? And actually, I was at the time working at a local bookstore, and I can I made these little cards. <laughs> They're all hand drawn. Like on one side, I would draw like a plastic water bottle, and then on the other side, I would write some facts about how many plastic bottles are used in Canada every year. And I did about six different cards. So one was. Water bottles. One were coffee cups. One was straws. Different things, and I just did them on my computer, and then I just printed them on like a cardstock and cut them up into four kind of cards. And then I just went around town, and my husband actually came up with the name Plastic Free Lunenburg, and I wrote Plastic Free Lunenburg on it. So that was like an initiative that I just did on my own, and I started putting them everywhere I could think of in town. And so then, of course, I told Teresa, who's a good friend, and then all of a sudden there was like this little、um, confluence of people who kind of coalesced around. They'd seen these cards, and they're like, "Who did these?" So then someone's like, "Well, Jennifer did them." And then we had our first meeting, and we had eight people, and we formed the nucleus of Plastic Free Lunenburg. You know, often with environmental issues, it's Always,、um, everyone passes the buck down to the individual. Everyone's like, "Well, you you should make the right decision when you go out. Bring your own cup and remember your bags and do this and do that." And it's always it feels like the companies are getting away with murder, and we're somehow made to feel guilty. We want to push that back upstream a little bit in Lindenberg, and our thought process was we want to approach. Businesses and say, let's get some change happening at the business level, so that if I'm a consumer and I'm around Lunenburg, I don't have to make eighty thousand decisions to do a good thing for the environment. Once they knew they wanted to focus on businesses, the crew didn't waste any time. Jennifer describes how they took action right away. Our first thing we did was actually. Physically go around and introduce ourselves to every single business in town. And there are a lot of restaurants. I think we counted up. You know, there's like twenty some places that serve some kind of food or drink in town. We have a distillery in town. So you know, anywhere that sold food or drink, we thought we'll we'll go to them. 
we did a survey of every business. And so, but we tried to go in without any judgment and we tried to just find out where they were. What plastic items are you using? Have you ever thought about not using them? Are you aware of any alternatives, etc.? That was just to give us a baseline of where we were in Greenberg, which at that point was basically nowhere we felt like. There were a couple of places that had paper straws. Basically everywhere used plastic straws, takeaway cups, coffee cups. Some people were very aware and were really trying to do something, but they were a, a very small minority of people. Some people wanted to know what they could be doing. Other people were just like, it's never come up. No one's ever asked. We don't care. But, you know, everyone was nice because it's Nova Scotia. But over that summer, we you know we kept our boomerang bags going. We, we made the cards. We just talked to people, as many people as we could, just in businesses we worked at. And we just kind of kept at it. Now, how did they get so many people to listen? Plastic Free Lunenburg was raising local awareness to the issue of plastic pollution very successfully. Meanwhile, something else was happening to spark sudden attention to the issue of plastic all around the world. China decided to say no to receiving foreign waste. Their country was becoming a plastic dumping ground for other countries recycling material. At the rate this material piles up, it can't be effectively recycled. This means that a lot of it just becomes incinerated or leaked back into the environment, putting local communities at risk. With North America consuming the most plastic per capita, this was a big wake-up call. We can't expect all our waste to become a burden for other countries. At this point, it became clear that we need a better solution. And Jennifer was ready to help people see this. Here in Nova Scotia, the recycling was just piling up at different depots because there was nowhere to send it. We, we encouraged people in a nice way to speak up at places. And that was really challenging. People in Nova Scotia are very unconfrontational. And so people were very hesitant, like, oh, I don't want to make the waitress feel bad if I say I don't want. Them. So we were like, you know, there's a nice way to do it and just say you're obviously putting it out there. And I was like, you know, the more of a restaurant or a coffee shop hears that from people, the more likely they are to change what they're doing. Did you know that only 9% of plastic gets effectively recycled in Canada? This goes to show that the best waste management solution is to avoid and reduce plastic as much as possible in the first place. After surveying each of the businesses, it became clear how plastic-free Lunenburg could really help them reduce their plastic waste. So when they went to visit each business again, they came prepared. This time we came with our a list for each place, depending on what they served and whatnot, a tailored list of alternative products for them and where they could get them and the pricing and all that. So we gave that to every business in town. But even by then, in restaurants that were like, whatever, go away, six months later, they're like, we need that. People are saying we don't want so much plastic. So consumers were saying that. You know what they say, customers always write. Restaurants want to make their customers happy by giving them what they want. Surveys show today that people are willing to pay more for their dining experience, knowing that sustainability is involved. As a consumer, don't be afraid to request for no plastic or to ask to use your own reusable foodware. With the help of Plastic Free Lunenburg, customers were able to convey to local restaurants exactly what they needed to hear to ditch the plastic. And here was their response. 
So this is what we were hearing from the businesses. A lot of alternative products are a bit more expensive than the plastic. So if I do it and I'm paying more, I want there to be a level playing field in town. I want everyone to give it up. Like, well, if the other grocery store gives up plastic bags, I'll give up plastic bags. They didn't want to be the only one. And we came to the conclusion that we should ask the town council to have a ban, to, to write it into, our, into the municipal bylaws that we have a ban on certain what we considered kind of low-hanging fruit, things that were easy to find alternatives for because that's what we're hearing is that it makes it more fair for businesses if everyone in town has to play by the same rules. Basically, to be competitive in this town, you've got to keep up with the plastic-free trend. To make this new standard into a bylaw, plastic-free Lunenburg needed to influence a lot more people. Anyone who was vaguely interested, we'd go and talk to them. Anyone who asked us, we'd be like, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, we'd love to come and talk to you. Lunenburg School of the Arts donated um, their auditorium and we showed the film Plastic Ocean. And that really fired people up, like a lot of communities. I mean, we depend on the ocean here, tourism, for surfing, all kinds of stuff. You know, we're the we're a UNESCO World Heritage Site. We're the home port of the Blue Nose. People think of Lunenburg, they think of the ocean. With a lifestyle and culture so connected to the ocean, People in Lunenburg showed passion for protecting it. So when Plastic Free Lunenburg hosted a series of public consultations regarding the ban on single-use plastics, the community showed tremendous support. 400 people in a town of 2,000 people, which was the biggest public turnout for any single issue ever in Lunenburg. We talked about each type of plastic that we were talking about banning. So, you know, bags, straws, cutlery, um, individual condiment packs, um, coffee cups, and individual plastic water bottles. And each one had a station around the room. And there was someone from our group manning each of the stations who could talk about why that particular item was important to ban. So we could put a sticker either as a ban or not to ban on that item. The vast majority, like 99.9% .9 of people said, let's ban these items. So, you know, like some things people felt needed more time, you know, like coffee cups. As it turns out, there's a solution for takeaway cups, just like there's a solution for any plastic-free alternative to a food service item. Jennifer is about to share some success stories from groups in Lunenburg that joined the plastic-free movement. We have a really wonderful farmer's market that goes year-round here every week. They have uh, two community tables every week for community groups. And they really let us have it so many times to try to raise awareness around this issue. We'd be at the door and giving people mugs that they could use for their coffee or tea when they were at the market. We just have a ton of mugs that people have donated to us. And the other thing we did at those markets was man the trash cans. And we, when someone would come over, we were like, where, where are you putting that? And they'd be like, ah, oh, and they'd panic. <laughs> and we would help them decide where to put it. Businesses can make their own adjustments based on the service and goods that they provide. When reusable foodware isn't available, the next best option is to just make sure it's compostable. In some cases, it's as simple as wrapping a sandwich in a piece of paper rather than serving it in plastic. Jennifer shares some more examples of businesses that made plastic-free alternatives more feasible. There was 
one restaurant, they just serve everything on a tray and you sit outside and everything was plastic. And so when you finished, you just took the tray, dumped everything in the trash and put the tray there and then left. So they didn't have any staff, you know, they didn't have to clear the tables, et cetera, et cetera. He's like, you're costing me $60,000 this year. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, we're putting in a dishwasher. We're getting rid of the plastic. We're going to do the dishes. We're going to have people clear. It was only thanks to the pressure that was created because actually he doesn't have to do it. There's no ban. It's just that he felt he had to do it. And then there's one coffee shop in town changing to a, a waste-free coffee shop. They really have influenced the other coffee shops. We spoke at the school a couple of times and they started a little a petition to get rid of all the plastic cutlery in, in their cafeteria and did. And so a lot of people changed right then because the assumption was that this ban was going to happen. Schools, coffee shops, farmers markets and restaurants recognized how critical it was to say no to plastic. And many individuals were changing their habits for our future and for our ocean. With all this recognition, Plastic Free Lunenburg finally made it onto the agenda for the town council meeting where they could present their case. They had hundreds of people, families, children, crowding on the streets to show their support. They even had a sixth grader from the local school asked to speak in front of the council. Despite their efforts to ban single-use plastics, the local town council wasn't ready for a ban after all. It's really, really hard to change people's habits as a voluntary thing and as a very small group in a town, you can't be thinking you're going to get 100% compliance or even 100% of people who care. You're never going to get that because it's just not how the world is. Across the country, Plastic Free Lunenburg received widespread media coverage on their local initiatives and encouraged tons of people to change their habits in an effort to reduce waste. They even played a role in Nova Scotia's ban on single-use plastics. Plastic Free Lunenburg set a new standard for businesses. You can learn more about this in the show notes. Throughout their campaign, Plastic Free Lunenburg partnered up with the Coastal Action, a marine conservation group that's based in Nova Scotia. The ongoing work of Coastal Action is proof that the plastic free movement continues to grow. With a focus on helping businesses reduce their plastic waste, Coastal Action started a certification program for food services. It's called Ocean Friendly Nova Scotia. Jackie and I got in touch with Ariel Smith, the coastal and marine team lead for Coastal Action. She was also a part of the Plastic Free Lunenburg Committee. Ariel is going to tell us more about the Ocean Friendly Program and some of the work they do to target single-use plastics. Once we launched a single-use plastic reduction program called Ocean Friendly Nova Scotia, which was really centered around single-use plastics at food service businesses in Lunenburg, we had already been doing microplastic sampling prior to that. And what was really cool to see is people are making that link, right? Because single-use plastics that we use um, degrade, they shed, and they become these tiny little fragments. And at first, when you think of microplastics, it's just kind of an abstract issue and something that you can't really connect to the things that you use on a daily basis. But we were able to see that the community members were making that link on their own, you know? If we're able to reduce these single-use plastics that us as consumers use, we will have an impact on the amount of microplastics um, in our marine and, and aquatic environment. Making that connection between the way we enjoy a latte with the way marine life is suffering isn't always easy to see. This is why I would encourage anyone to get out there and have a walk along the beach. See what you can pick up. It might shock you. 
one of the things that have really stuck with me um, over over the years is when we did a, a, a shoreline cleanup and we found just the perfectly intact plastic portion of a to-go coffee mug. So if you can picture like a paper cup and then the inside plastic lining that often people think is compostable but really is made of plastic. It was perfectly intact and it almost looked like its own little cup, obviously see-through and worn down. But it was on a shoreline, a rocky shoreline that would have had waves wash over it and you know people walk on it and rocks kind of pile on top but it was perfectly intact and i think that's a visual for the issue of plastic that has stuck with me because what we think as disposable or what we think is having such little impact or importance like coffee that we enjoy at the beginning of the day is is actually sticking around forever and it's not going away like we hope it would so that visual of plastic persisting in the environment is kind of eerie <laughs> to me um, but it also reminds me of the connection that plastic has to our daily lives and the connection that we can use to make a change this reminds me of the first beach cleanup that i did what really struck me was how we collected nearly 30,000 pieces of plastic just on half a kilometer of coastline. What was also interesting was that we could recognize some very common brand names of some of these plastic items that we found. For our program around single-use plastics, we had an interesting kind of a challenge or I guess opportunity uh, to reach out to businesses to kind of ask them what are the barriers to single-use plastics reduction at their establishment. So we went out and just kind of door to door in Lunenburg, uh, chatted with business owners. And it was amazing how much we learned from them because really they're experts in what they do and we're experts in what we do. And we learned that a lot of the challenges around reducing single-use plastics were the access to actually compostable items. So there was you know, some myths that had to be busted around the types of materials that could even be composted it allowed us to have some really interesting conversations about our compost facilities and looking at it um, with from a waste management perspective, having folks from waste management involved in those conversations. Finding the source of plastic items that are being produced is an important step in seeking alternatives. To find alternatives to plastic in her community, Ariel poses some great questions. Where are our disposable items coming from? Who are our local suppliers? Are we getting everything shipped to us? And it kind of provides a bigger look at the issue. It's not just specific single-use plastics. It's how much do we have to pay environmentally and economically for these supplies to come into our community? Could there be um, some opportunities for local groups to start businesses that would maybe start a business that provides alternatives or a return program. Community-based solutions. It seems that's what it boils down to. When we're talking about coastal resilience, oftentimes the best thing to do is support local businesses that care about the ocean. So let's reimagine that coffee cup washed up on the beach. Here's an incredible story of a local coffee shop in Lunenburg, which found a solution to this unnecessary problem. So after our pilot year in Lunenburg, we saw that people kind of had a bit more ownership or were armed with more education and awareness about what they can do and having known about some of these myths that are perpetuated about 
alternatives to plastics. So we had around seven businesses in Lunenburg join the program um, just in that pilot year in Lunenburg, which is a pretty small uh, town. So it was manageable to go around and, and chat with businesses that way. And we had a couple champions that really were able to eliminate most, if not all, of their single-use plastics. So a business called Number 9 uh, Cafe in Lunenburg, they implemented basically a way to eliminate to-go coffee mugs is they had mason jars, for example. So it was a mason jar return program, and they implemented that. And what we're able to show as a leader in the community how you can do this, how other cafes can do it, especially in a small community. Folks just know that if they're going to number nine, they have to make sure that they either have their own reusable coffee cup or that they're willing to have a $1 deposit for a mason jar that they can take to go. So I think that's a really cool example of how businesses got on board, how they were able to work amongst each other to kind of challenge each other to do more. And we're already seeing that that is happening um, with the Ocean Friendly Program. I really like this idea of businesses that are challenging each other to be better. What if we could do the same thing to challenge other communities? As we've heard from both Ariel and Jennifer, it's possible for one small community like Lunenburg to make a big impact. It has been a challenge in some ways to figure out where a program like this will be housed or how it could live sustainably within different communities. But what we've been encouraged by is that we've been provided some funding to launch this program in the Halifax Regional Municipality with partners on the other side of the province in the Annapolis Valley. So those are our two main areas where we're looking to launch the Ocean Friendly Program. And we have already seen, so just in the last couple months, we have folks in Halifax, Dartmouth, that are really interested in joining. We're hosting a virtual workshop to learn more about what businesses need, to have environmental NGOs a part of those calls, and to discuss kind of next steps and how businesses can become involved. To those of you listening, what if you can make a difference in your community? Can you help your community ditch plastics? Listen close as we hear some reflections from both Ariel and Jennifer on how they found success in their initiatives. First, Ariel shares some great advice from her experience. Start with some questions at the beginning. So if you're just at the beginning of wanting to do something like this in your community, I would definitely do some surveys, try to get some feedback from folks um, in a variety of different ways, social media, in person, and start collecting data on what people need and want in their community. So what might work for us on the South Shore of Nova Scotia might not be perfect for businesses in Western Newfoundland, for example. So really being knowledgeable about what's happening in your community for businesses and consumers is a great way to start. Sometimes the hardest part is getting started. But once you find the right people who also want to make a difference, the rest just gets easier. Now let's bring it back to Jennifer and hear some of her reflections. People just must not know this because otherwise people would care. But from the most part, that is true. When people do find out, they're horrified and they, want, they do want to do something. So, I mean, you just have to, as my family would say, what's great about me is I never really care what other people are thinking. Like, I don't care, so then I'll just go and do those weird cards and put them all over town. I won't care if people think it's stupid. Whereas, you know, there are other people who just would be like, oh my gosh, they would have to do something a lot more professional or, 
you know, they would just be more nervous about doing that where uh, that doesn't bother me. So then that's why I think it was a good group because it was all people who coalesced around that idea of we've got to do something. And they were all people who were like, I don't care if people think we're crazy, like we're still going to do something. You can't just know that and then not like you can't just sit on that. That's information that has to get out there somehow. Jennifer really helps to emphasize the power of the group. But how do you find those people that care enough to take action? What I would say to anyone starting up something, and it really could be any issue that you felt strongly about, is to find some other people who you want to do it with. All of us were super tenacious because we had that very well-defined goal for our group. We all were working towards that in different ways, you know, knowing that it wasn't going to be a straightforward route. You take little turns or whatever, but because we had that goal, that's what we were all working toward. But for me, this is my future. This is this is the rest of my life I'm going to be dealing with, with plastics and how do we clean them up. And how do we get rid of them now that we've created them? Today, we heard the story of how the little tourist town of Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, made its mark in the plastic-free movement. Jackie took us through interviews from two guests who both highlighted the importance of putting pressure on businesses and companies to be more responsible for the waste that they produce. First... Jackie spoke with Jennifer Constable, a local champion who is living proof that individual actions can make a difference. We then heard from Ariel Smith, who continues to help communities stand against plastic and protect our ocean. To recap the story we heard from these women, the town of Lunenburg sets a great example for other communities. And here's why. Number one, increasing sustainability of local businesses adds more value for tourism and community development. Number two, ditching plastic reduces overall waste, therefore relieves a big burden on local waste management. Number three, replacing disposable plastic with reusable options can save money for businesses and individuals over time. Number four, individual actions add up and they do matter. So here's your take-home message. As an individual, We can support businesses that are showing a commitment to reduce plastic waste. We can ask for better. Think about this when you're going out for dinner or going to get a coffee. Can you ask your server to have your food or beverage served without plastic? Here's some ways that you can go about it. Ask for no straw and check if you can get your condiments without individual packets. If you have leftovers, pack them in your own reusable container. If you're getting a coffee, Just ask to have it made in your reusable mug. You might even get a discount. It's often easier to avoid unnecessary plastic when you shop local. Visiting restaurants are a great example, but you can also consider your trip to the market as a chance to avoid plastic too. When I buy produce, I bring my own cloth bags and I put fruit in it so that I avoid the prepackaged options. This is just a simple habit that I formed whenever I visit the store. Like any new habit, it becomes less to think about the more often you do it. When Newfoundland banned plastic bags, just like they did in Nova Scotia, there were people upset about that change. But over time, people just remembered to bring the reusable bag. Now it's no big deal. The same change can happen for all single-use plastics. We just need to make it a habit. 
If you're looking for more tips on how to avoid plastic waste, check out our show notes for more resources. Now I challenge you to break free from plastic. Join us for our next episode as we continue to unravel the story of plastic in the ocean. We will get to hear from more researchers like Ariel as we plunge further into ghost gear and microplastics. Thank you so much for joining us. Coastal Connections Stories from the Atlantic is a production of Coastal Roots Radio through partnership with the University of Guelph and Memorial University of Newfoundland. To connect with the people you've heard on this podcast, visit us on the Coastal Roots website at www.coastalroots.org. If you'd like to share your story with us, and we hope you will, drop us a line at stories at coastalroots.org.